Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pelazon, the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And on today's episode, I'm talking to Morgan Blackman, an intuitive financial coach. I'm really excited for you to meet Morgan. I wish that I had known someone like her when I was 20 years old. She would have saved me $30,000 worth of credit card debt. But you know, now I know her and I'm so grateful. And I'm also so excited to introduce all of you to her brilliance. And we've talked about money, finances, wealth, on this podcast plenty of times because obviously the podcast is called The 12th House, which means that we're talking about all the things that hide in the shadows that seem elusive or uncomfortable. And money is definitely that for so many of us as we talk about in this episode with Morgan today. And we talk about intuitive business and to have a business, you usually are making money. You're exchanging goods and services for currency. And so we got to talk about it, right? But in the wellness space, so much of quote unquote healing and spirituality and blah, 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 has really been like misappropriated to, or misassociated maybe even with the more spiritual you are, the more money you're going to make. The more evolved you are, the more wealthy you become. And it's almost as if people associate self-actualization with accumulating massive amounts of wealth. And really, I don't think they're necessarily connected. Next week, we're having a very special spicy episode on the problematic aspects of manifestation with a very special guest. So make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so that you get it. It is going to be, I'm a little nervous about it because I think it's going to ruffle some feathers, but I'm also excited to talk about this, this conversation because in the world of spirituality and wellness, there's a lot of language out there that is effectively capitalism dressed up in jojoba oil, right? And the not good parts of capitalism, the oppressive accumulation individual parts of capitalism that we don't want to perpetuate. And in this episode with Morgan, as we talk about money and investing and money mindset, what I hear from her and what we really try to go back to is, you know, money can be having finances and having resources is integral to our well-being because we don't have a state or a country that supports, you know, like these things aren't a given, unfortunately, having a roof over our heads, having food on the table, having money to go to college or to get educated or to have someone watch your kids while you're working. These things aren't a given. So in order to feel well, in order to take care of ourselves, in order to feel resourced, in order to have spaciousness to dream and explore and innovate and create and make mistakes, we have to have a safety net. And sometimes our safety net can be our community. Sometimes our safety net can be our home life. Sometimes our safety net looks more like being resourced, right? Being well-resourced in terms of finances. And with that, inevitably money is connected to our well-being. And that's what I wanted to talk about today with Morgan is how does money relate to our well-being? And when we pretend like money is simply energy, because it's not simply energy, it is to many of us traumatic and completely emotional and like supercharged and harmful, violent, like sometimes it's loving. It's more than just energy. It's a very charged topic or entity or spirit. When we consider that and we actually start thinking about how money can make a difference in our well-being, 
we also start to consider how things like politics and the way that we operate in the world and the people we hang out with and the way that our community is architected or set up or the way that our environment is that surrounds our house. All of these things impact our well-being, right? Wellness is not just matcha lattes and green smoothies and meditation on the call map. It's so much more than that. It's everything. And so I feel like I'm, you know, preaching to the choir here, but I'm really excited for this episode with Morgan to talk about how wellness and wealth are, or money, I should say, are connected and and how that can contribute to our well-being or contribute to our dis-ease or our dysregulation to our stress and how we can take some aspect of that into our own hands and really be conscious of it and relate maybe differently to how we think about money in some ways and also dismantle the systems that keep people in poverty. Because if there are people in poverty that exist in our communities, in our countries, in our cities, then there are people who are deeply in some ways are are unwell because they're not able to take care of their needs or have their needs met. So there's a lot to say. (laughs) You're you're like, just tell me about the money stuff. But I wanted to preface with that and let you know where we're tuning in from because at Holisticism, we're actively divesting from oppressive capitalist structures in the way that we run business and that we run our business. And also we are acknowledging that we exist within the structure. So how can we do a little bit of both? How can we orient in the space that we are currently in and demand that it do better? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but maybe Morgan will. So (laughs) I'm excited for you to, to listen to this episode. And without further ado, here is Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're on the podcast. And, and full disclosure, everyone, we have recorded this episode already. And then I lost the recording. It was a catastrophe, truly. But now we're back. Morgan, how would you describe exactly what you do? Yes, thanks for having me, One, I am an intuitive wealth coach. I can say intuitive here. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Perfect <space>. Own um, it. <laughs> yeah, and I primarily help women who want to just level up in regards to their finances. I help them to build the confidence to start investing. So really my area is helping women expand in the area of like creating passive income for themselves. How can we have our money working for us and not the other way around? (laughs) Yes. Mm Yeah. Yo, Morgan, that's a tough job. (laughs) I know, but I love it. (laughs) I've I've been able to do it for myself. So this is why I'm here to help fill in that gap. Oh, that's so important. I feel like so many people in the well, I'll, not even in wellness, in like coaching, yes. often it's kind of scammy because they don't get results from themselves mm-hmm. and or like other people. And then they just begin to start coaching on a topic yeah. like and pretend like they're experts in it, yeah. but they actually haven't like done it for themselves. And mm-hmm. it's this weird self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, I'm a successful coach because I've tricked people into like hiring me and now I'm successful. And it's like, wait, what? This is confusing. So yeah. so how did you, what was your background with finances and wealth and, and money? Yeah. Like, how did you grow up with like, what was your, really your shoulders just like went all the way up to your ears. <laughs> this is going to be like three <laughs> episodes in one. Okay. <laughs> so you guys obviously can't see me right now, but I am a black woman. I grew up in a low to middle income household. 
So my relationship with money, I think, has been pretty much average to everybody else. It's one of those, Mm -hmm. like, I just kind of need it to get by, to survive. It's a resource Mm -hmm. to fulfill my livelihood, but couldn't really think of anything bigger than that. It wasn't, you know, something where I looked at money and I thought it was something expansive. And Mm -hmm. I didn't come from wealth, so it wasn't something that I thought I could achieve or that it was necessarily important. So also, you know, growing up Christian, we're always taught that, you know, money or the love of money, I guess, is the root of all evil and mm, being totally. poor is righteous, which I think is still heavy in the spiritual wellness community, right? Like having oh, to do 100K. work for free or like a lot of women have trouble, you know, pricing their services and mm-hmm. or asking for more money in their jobs, right? Negotiating. We can talk a bit more about that later. But oh, yeah. I, I'm putting a pin in that. We definitely have to talk about that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I grew up like just pretty average. My parents were like always in debt. I saw a lot of fights about money. So initially for me, like money was just like icky from the start. Like, oh, I want nothing to do with it. It causes all these problems. And then as I got older, I realized, you know, like going into university, getting my first job at 16, it was like finally I was, you know, more independent. I was financially independent. I was able to purchase my own things. And then, you know, I obviously became a product, (laughs) just like, you know, if if anyone's watched the movie, this, you know, The Social Dilemma, that documentary where it's like, now you become the product. People are going to consume you, you know, Mm -hmm. marketing, all these things that people tell you that you need to have in order to feel whole and to feel full. So I got excited, got my first job. I would spend money all over the place. I just always remember like getting my tax return every year. If I made like $20,000, like none of that was saved. And I mean, a piece of that. (laughs) Oh my God. That was totally in me in my twenties too. Whenever I'd get it, I'd be like, I made how much money? Because I was always like an independent contractor. I never had a salary until I like turned 25. So I was like making whatever, independent contractor, just independent checks. And then I'd be like, wait, what? How come I have like no money in my bank account? (laughs) I actually made some money. This is crazy. And that's cool to do like when you're living in your parents' basement or house. like. It's It's actually horrifying because you're like, wait, I spent so much money and I have nothing to show for it. Like, what am I doing? How am I going to live? Exactly. And then a part of that was like, well, one, I never had a good example. Like my parents never really Mm. taught me the importance of saving. Like my dad was actually the complete opposite. He was like, have fun, live your life. You Mm. only have now. (laughs) YOLO before YOLO was. Yeah, exactly. He wants that. He is YOLO. I was like, yeah, I feel like YOLO is a good approach to like other areas of your life. But when it comes to finances, especially (laughs) learning about investing and, you know, like looking forward to like your retirement, how do you want to set up yourself to live comfortably? It is really important to have these conversations now. But yeah, backing up a little bit. So, you know, university, all of that, living the life, taking girls trips on my credit card, like, (laughs) you know, that appearance of having it all together and going into debt because of it and then I just got to a point and I was like I'm just tired of being broke I actually want to live this life and have the money to live it and not pretend Mm -hmm. and keep up with images and just started to realize like it's okay to have money like I want to be able to go to Whole Foods and buy you know organic goods that are nourishing for my body because I have the money to do so or like Mm -hmm. there's all these charities that I want to donate to and it's like 
I only don't have enough money for myself. Like, I am a charity. <laughs> but I want to be able to just drop $100 on, like, you know, Black Lives Matter or whatever other organizations are out there, you know, or mm-hmm. helping, like, women in, like, domestic violence shelters. Like, that's something that's big to me. And But I need to also have money for myself in order to do that. Mm-hmm. So I started to realize that it's okay to have more than even just the basic needs of survival. And I was like, okay, so, like, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, how am I going to bring in a heck of a lot of money? And so around third year university, I was really, she's still my good friend to this day. She was very proactive. She was already seeing a financial advisor. Wow. Yeah. Someone else had talked to her about it and told them about investing. And I think it was like a guy she was dating or something. So sometimes people, you know, people come into your life for reasons. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But dropped this gem on her and she ran with it, went to see a financial advisor and just realized that she could be putting her money into this, you know, some sort of investment vehicle where like magically, you know, I, I always hear you talk about investing like it's magic and it really is. It's like just interest working on your money over time. You're mm-hmm. not exchanging time for money. And so when she told me about that and I think seeing her do it made me realize like, oh, okay, like I can do this too. Like this, mm-hmm. this you know, really good friend totally. that I grew up with, we probably make around the same amount of money. If I were to go out there and get a part-time job and learn how to actually save, I can <laughs> do this. And she was just so inspiring. And like, I was inquisitive. So I always tell people like, you know, it's so good to learn, like just ask questions and don't Mm. feel any less than asking them. And you just never know what you'll learn. And so I just asked her like how she was doing it, what her financial advisor was teaching her. And Mm. I ran with it. I I think it just clicked in my head that like, this is going to be my way to building wealth for myself (laughs) and building Mm -hmm. generational wealth. Because that's important to me too. Like, especially in the Black community, we don't know how to carry forward money and wealth. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I think that was really important for me to close that gap and just knowing, like, if I do want to have a family and have kids, like, I don't want them to go through the same struggle that I'm going through. So how can I end this curse? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and be the first one in my family to... it's not about having a billion dollars or a million dollars, but like I said, it's about being financially comfortable and being able to live a lifestyle that suits your needs and your desires because everyone's lifestyle is going to look different. And so I was like, this is going to be it. I have to figure out how to do this investing. And so I just nerded out on it. Just like everything's been self-taught DIY investor. And I've been doing it for about four years now, but I remember 2017, I was able to save up about $5,000 I invest in that into like three different stocks. So I like, like three different marijuana companies. <laughs> nice. Okay. So some risky stocks. I like it. You weren't just going for like the easy stuff. You're like, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing stuff. I'm, like, I'm, I'm yeah. going for it. And disclaimer, like it took me a year before I even started doing it. So I hear a lot yeah. of people that are like a friend's investing in Tesla and they're like, oh, I'm just going to go do it too. And it's like, no, no, no. Like I, it took me a while before I gained the confidence. Oh yeah. Proper. You got to research. You gotta I research. mean like, yeah. Yeah. It's not a a safe bet. (laughs) You can get burned. And so, yeah, like I diversified. So diversification is really important when you're investing, especially just in stocks. So I I bought three stocks, marijuana companies, and I bought two mutual funds. So you want to make sure that you're buying different investment products. And it worked out for me that year. My money doubled. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And I knew that, I mean, in Canada, because I personally don't, I'm not a huge like marijuana consumer to be Mm -hmm. honest but I knew that it was going to be legalized I knew it was a big thing next to alcohol like Mm -hmm. this market is going to do really good of course it's not doing that well right now but at that time when Canada was about to legalize it I forecasted like 
this is like, I can make a lot of money off of this either in the short term or the long term. And I decided to make a lot of money off of it in the short term and it worked out. And yeah. And then I just continued doing that. I started, I kept researching, investing my money in different companies. And I think the power of investing is like, you don't have to invest in icky companies. You can invest in companies that are sustainable, that are doing good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for saying that because let's just roll the tape back a little bit yeah. because there are so many myths that capitalism has perpetuated around well-being and being resourced. And going all the way back to what you were saying about women not feeling comfortable asking for their worth or charging, especially in the wellness space, or like on the flip side of that, completely overcharging, right? Like exorbitant amounts of capital for what they do. We can directly correlate that to the primitive accumulation in the organization of capitalism, going from a feudal state to a capitalistic mm -hmm. state where we didn't used to like pay our medicine woman or the woman who was the herbalist mm -hmm. or the woman who delivered babies, right? Yeah. She was taken care of by the community or yes. they, the healers were taken care of by the community and things were exchanged, right? Value was exchanged. Value was exchanged yeah. We weren't paid, you know, a check for our services. Mm -hmm. And for so many people, I think who I see in the wellness and well-being space where they're healers and they've got maybe like old past lives where they've taken poverty vows or where they have like lived that life of just pre-capitalism, pre-primitive accumulation. It's really uncomfortable to get used to this new ideal and this new way that we work. Mm -hmm. And so I love that the first thing you said was I talked to people about intuitive and intuitive finances, like mm -hmm. and investing and how to do that because so much of it is like mindset and being okay and understanding that wealth isn't evil and money yeah. isn't evil. In fact, like the origin of the word wealth is well in old English and it means well-being and health. Ooh. So like, and that's why I really wanted to have you on because mm -hmm. first off, you're so inspiring with the fact finances are a very 12th house topic, right? No one wants to talk about money. <laughs> like we're all scared to ask for advice and yeah. like, cause we're like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't know. <laughs> no one told me, but also being well-resourced, being taken care of, knowing that we can get our needs met and we can like have a roof over our heads and go to Whole Foods if we want. That contributes to our well-being, whether we like it or not. not. Exactly. Right? Okay. You have so much to say. Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And it's here. And it's like, how can we use this system to our benefit in a way that's filling our cups? And like you said, like, this is just, it's a resource. Money is energy at the end of the day. Whether it looks like trading cows or trading, you know, value based on services, or it's like this paper, it's, we need to make sure that we're filling up our cup first. And in doing so, now we're able to go back out there in the world and fill up other people's. So especially in the spiritual wellness space, you know, like we were saying before, people have this, this need or feel like, especially for me. So I did my degree in international development. So I'm all about like not-for-profit. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I knew going into that space, oh, I'm not going to make a lot of money because it's like, you don't make oh, a lot wow. of money in that space, but I want to yeah. help people. But it's also like, but I also want to like go to food truck festivals with my friends once in a while and eat out. And I, trust them right, I was like, how right. do I do that? <laughs> but I still want to help. But it's just knowing like there can be both and we need to create a space for that. Actually, okay, really weird tangent. 
So let's go. Oh, take me there. I'm there. (laughs) I'm with you. I don't know if you saw my rant, but IG story the other day. So Insight Timer, right? Like I've Mm -hmm. always been recommending people go on Insight Timer. Love their platform. Love that they have that community angle where literally anyone can go in there now and like upload a guided meditation, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I went up there to like upload one on calling in money, like a visualization meditation on money. And I got... Uh, feedback back that I, I first thought it was going to be like, oh, it's poor audio, poor audio quality, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, they pretty much got back to me and said that we can't upload this because you're talking about money. And I was like, whoa. Yes. I know. I'm like, Michelle needs to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle needs to blow this up. I Drop wrote, this story. <laughs> I literally was, I wrote them the longest, probably the longest email of my life. <laughs> So anyone listening to this, like, can we please let Insight Timer know, like, this is an important space. How are we talking about wellness? And like, this is the thing. It's like, finances is a part of our wellness. And it's like, how do you- 100%. Yes. Yes. And (laughs) it's like that- You're exactly right. Gatekeeping this knowledge and information and also ignoring- That's like saying that- politics don't contribute to wellness and well-being like they in are intrinsically and innately linked to our well-being as is money which is the thing we live in a capitalist structure in society whether we like it or not for most of i think most of the people listening to this podcast they're like no i think capitalism kind of it objectively sucks and it's objectively oppressive which is true the system that we live in right now capitalism doesn't necessarily need to be oppressive but that's how it's manifesting in the world today Mm And we live in it. Our option is, it's like, what? Are you going to go live on a mountain and like issue currency and just like, I don't know, trade beads with people and like pick herbs and (laughs) and not have Wi-Fi? Okay, cool. But like, are you helping anyone doing that? Like that means that you're just isolating yourself from society. So we can't be either or this either or thinking Mm. of like, I can only be, I'm either spiritual. And that means that I have to ignore the material realm and and, (laughs) or like the opposite if i want to be wealthy if i want well-being and health Mm -hmm. then i can't possibly be spiritual and it's like no dude that ain't it yeah damn i'm so disappointed in insight timer i know and even just to piggyback off of that like just knowing that i think the world is the way that it is right now because the one percent of people that have money and these are people like like i said money is an energy so like all you have to do is just love on money and money will come to you i mean there's you know there's more specifics to it it's not that easy but (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say that's a little that sounds a little too easy (laughs) Uh, does take work and you know being action oriented and you know the, the financial literacy component to it as well but you know, the 1%, like some of them are really good, but some of them are really bad and they've created the world to be what it is today, right? This inequality and the rich get rich, the poor get poor. But can you imagine if like, guys, picture like a million Michelles <laughs> making like- A million Morgans. <laughs> a million Morgans making millions of dollars, how much better this world would be? Because it's what we choose to do with our money, right? Like I said, we can choose to buy, we can ditch Nike and decide to buy- sustainable footwear that's, Mm -hmm. you know, organic, it's fair traded, the people who are making it get paid like more than they need to be paid. We have that power to do that. And I think if we have more money going into the hands of light workers instead of going into the hands of people who just want money just for the fun of it and to be selfish with it, we need to reclaim this power back and be like, no, I love money. We need money in the spiritual wellness community in order to do good and to expand and to help more people and to help more lives and to make the world a better place. So that's another angle that you can kind of look at it from. (laughs) 
Yeah. And money is, it's not everything, right? Yeah. There's definitely a tipping point where money is powerful, powerful. alchemical energy. And like, I think that money amplifies what's already there. So if you're working through your shit, you're owning your shadow, you're clear. If you add more money on top of that, it's going to amplify your work. Your work. If you're not like clearing your stuff out, then we've got a Jeff Bezos character or, you know, like those people that have maybe they're either neutral to what's the atrocities that are happening in the world or contributing to them. But money's just a, it's a, one of the tools that we can use, right? Like there are so many tools that we can use to help others and to like embody our purpose on the planet. And so many of us aren't using money as a tool. We're like ignoring it. Or we're saying that it's the only tool in our tool shed when in fact, it's just one of the things that you can add to your toolkit. Yes. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Morg, for you, when does money or wealth contribute to our dis-ease? Because we've talked a lot about Mm. how money and financial freedom contributes to well-being. But what about, because so many people have that perception of money, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can it contribute to dis-ease? Or like for you, maybe like tell me a story of when you've seen that happen, when it, instead of being helpful, it's actually been really hurtful. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like people can, I think where it gets alarming is when people go after money in ways that's harming others. I think that's how I'm able to look at it. How is my contribution to capitalism hurting others? And how can I just be more mindful of the money that I have and how I'm managing it? And, Mm. you know, like it's that whole, I've seen people do horrible things just to call in money. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean? Really horrible things. And a lot of that could just be like upbringing, like your environment. You just grew up in a very rough neighborhood where that's just like a means of survival and you don't know anything better than that. So money can force people to go to great lengths (laughs) to get it. And in doing that, it's harming people along the way. And I think, yeah, that's just one thing that we definitely have to be mindful of. And that is why those who do have wealth and have the power to make those changes, how can we look after people who don't have anything and that have less? How can we reduce the inequality in the world and society? How, How can we make sure, because money is an abundant energy, like there is technically enough for all but it's just that mm-hmm. <laughs> too much of it is, is is withheld with a smaller percentage of the population right so how can we disperse that and that is something i think one thing that's really interesting we haven't touched on it but you know crypto there's this new market where it's like a new type of currency right and yep. In crypto it's leveling the playing field there's no middlemen there's no banks and interest in no all of government that's controlling government. it yeah. yeah and it's actually giving people in third world countries the ability now to you know have some form of capital and money and i think it's gonna look different i think it's gonna change the game if we allow it to <laughs> mm-hmm. and we can re-envision like a new financial order kind of <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I agree with you as someone who's invested in crypto. I'm invested in cryptocurrency. So yes, I agree with you. I think that like that decentralized finance and decentralized currency is really interesting and important and actually is anti-capitalist in a lot of amazing ways. It's not like literally like the gold standard where we're mining gold from the planet and like, you know, taking it out of the, (laughs) taking it out of the planet. It's like, 
crypto is almost just like this concept. Exactly. <laughs> it's just an idea. And that's really what money is. It, exactly. Money's just a concept, a delusion that we all agree to. Exactly. <laughs> and okay, that's that kind of like in a way makes it a little bit more spiritual because it's like, okay, we're all having faith that this thing exists exactly. and we are ascribing value to it, even though we can't see it. We don't really know that that's what it's worth. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, philosophically. But I love what you said around the more people who are intuitive, who have a lock on their finances, the better, because yeah. I feel like that's where we reach that point of disease is when we're not listening to our intuition, when we're not listening mm -hmm. to like our hearts or our own internal ethical and moral compass. Exactly. And when you're really tapped in as an intuitive person, you can't not listen. You have to. Exactly. And so if you're tapped in and intuitive, then like, I guess like there's less worry that you're going to make horrible decisions around money or let detrimental decisions. What's your first step for helping people become more intuitive around their finances? Mm. Well, I think big thing, like you'd said, just clearing out the karma first. <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, that, yeah, icky energy that we have with not even just money, but like with ourselves. I always tell people money found me like this whole me being a wealth coach. And I, in a million years would not have thought I would be doing this and I always tell people like my in order to get to this area of my finances like I had to have my spiritual awakening first mm. and my spiritual awakening looked like it was a very shitty relationship very traumatic first love oh dude I have been there yep. I have been there <laughs> I feel like breakups are like a huge catalyst for your finding your spirituality they are and people don't talk about it but it really they is are. and sometimes yeah. I feel very lame like oh yeah like my spiritual awakening happening because like this you know like I broke up with this guy but like no really it did same here you don't need to feel lame this <laughs> exact same thing happened to me <laughs> yeah I was like on the floor like huddle up crying like but in that moment it was I realized I never loved myself like I thought I did you know and it was like whoa the self-confidence the low self-esteem like and just not setting boundaries and knowing what boundaries were and just loving someone else more than I love myself I was like never ever 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 again I want to become the best version of myself like <laughs> And I just want to live my best. I don't know. It was just like, I want to live my best life ever. And I'm, like, I'm never going to allow someone to ever do that. And in doing mm -hmm. that, it was like, around that time, I started seeing angel numbers. And I'm just very inquisitive. So it was like, oh, 11-11. I always remember growing up, like, if you see 11-11, that means make a wish. And I was, mm -hmm. so I just started researching. And I'm like, oh, 11-11. And then I see something else that says, like, angel numbers. And I'm like, what? And then I just kept reading it. <laughs> How I got into the world of like angel numbers. And then once that happened, I started seeing more angel numbers. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is so exciting. Angels are communicating with me. <laughs> and then from that, it was like, I really, you know, had a huge focus on my health. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hit hit up the gym. You know, like, it's like that guy picks up with these, like, I'm going to hit up the gym, like get a new hairstyle, like look good, all of that stuff, treat myself. So I started going to the gym. I started eating better, switching my diet and like, being more mindful of like what I'm consuming, doing yoga and like meditating. Meditating was huge. It was like, mm. whoa, how do I quiet my mind and all these racing thoughts? And it was all of that combined over like the span of like a couple months to a year. And along that journey, I think in doing that and clearing up all that gunk, I was able to be like, okay, what is another area of my life that like I want to fix? And it was like, oh yeah, like money, finances. Mm -hmm. It was around that time where my friend, my roommate was starting to see a financial advisor. So I feel like everything kind of happened in like divine timing. It was like, as I was working on myself and trying to become a better version of me, it's like, 
all these doors just started to open and all these opportunities. And I was like, yeah, like investing, this is going to be my opportunity to become financially well (laughs) within Mm -hmm. the finance area of my life. And so I always tell people, I think wellness, wellness comes first. Spiritual and emotional wellness comes first and mental wellness before you get to your finances. It may not look like that for everyone, but that's how it looked like for me. And I don't think I would have been where I am today if I didn't go that route. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's like a natural progression because to your point, like you're cleaning up all these areas, decluttering these areas in your life, right? Of like, oh, I actually like have a lot of limiting beliefs around how lovable I am or what I can achieve or accomplish or do. And then you start to prove it to yourself. And then, you know, money we talk about self-love a lot. We talk like in the world, right? We talk about living your purpose and living your dream, but we still don't talk about money. Like it's still such (laughs) a taboo. It's so taboo. Like money and dying, we're so scared to talk about. And and so like, it makes sense that it's the last thing we kind of come to. And we're like, well, I I look really good from the outside, right? And my skin's glowing. Like I'm feeling great. I'm exercising. I'm happy. But like, I still have, yeah, I still have this thing behind closed doors. That's like not exactly right. It doesn't match like my vibration for lack of a better word of like what's going on outside of me and like the life I want to live. Yeah. And it does, if you're out there listening to this, trust me, if you're worried that like you're the worst case that anyone's ever going to has ever seen, you're not. I didn't go to a financial advisor until I was like in my 30s. Mm-hmm. It's all good. I didn't go to an accountant until I was in my 30s. Like it's okay. And trust me, any person who's out there to help you with finances has seen so, so, so much worse than what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to feel embarrassed or ashamed asking for help. Mm-hmm. Also, no one teaches us this stuff. Exactly. It's not your fault that you don't know it. It's not your fault. And when you know better, you do better. Yes. So, my favorite quote of all time. Yes. yes I'm so good. So good. I mean, I don't know who said it, but my like someone really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Right? I can't believe I didn't know that. <laughs> Maya, the queen. Yeah. When you know better, you do better. Yeah. So if you know better, now you know. You listen to this podcast episode yes. and now it's up to you to do better. And yeah. a big call in around that, I think, is like yeah. we all can do better in this structure of capitalism. We don't need to perpetuate the oppression that we see. Exactly. We can choose better outcomes. Yeah, we can do it in our own way that feels good and that's heart-centered and aligned. And I think what a lot of people do is, like I said, don't think about the amount. Don't think about money in like a quant, (laughs) like in quantable, you know, numbers. It's, it's more so how do you want to live your life? I always like, this is one thing I do with my clients. Like the very first thing we like try to like map out their dream life, their goals. And I'm always like, if money wasn't a thing, or if you had all the money in the world, how would your life look like? And like a lot of people actually get stuck. I'm like, this is so easy for me. Like I want this, 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 and that. And people are like, I don't know. Like all I've done is like just survive. And they're so crippled by money. And I think about it like this first, just think about the type of life that you want to live. You know, I mean, you know, do the inner work because you do want more than just surviving. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that could just mm-hmm. be like buying back more time to spend with family and friends. Like when you talk about, you know, passive forms of income in a business, right? Mm-hmm. Moving from maybe yeah. like one-to-one to more like group coaching or a membership community. Like you can do it in a way that's aligned and that resonates for you and that's fulfilling for you. And in doing that, you know, how much do you want to make from that? How much do you need to make in order to live a certain life? 
And it's going to look different for everyone. Like I said, for some people, that lifestyle, they need to be making maybe a million dollars a year. For some people, mm-hmm. it only needs to be $60,000. Like, you choose how that looks like for you. You could be someone that's very, very simple with money, and you can live a simple life. And that's cool. But just knowing that, like, having, you know, laying out what that ideal lifestyle looks and then asking yourself, this is especially good for people who don't know how to price their services. Go backwards. Think about the the type of life you want to live and then how much you need to charge in order to live that. Instead of thinking, like, how much do I need to charge first? (laughs) Then thinking about what kind of life will I lead by charging that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a great first step. It seems like an obvious one, right? But then you're right. So many people sit down and they're like, I don't know what kind of life I want. (laughs) I don't actually know what I want my life to look like. And that can call into question a lot of things, even, and I know, I know we'll have to wrap in just a second, but I'll tell you a story about me doing this with my partner. We have a lovely house in LA. Mm -hmm. It is a small one bedroom house Mm -hmm. and we want to have a baby at some point. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we gotta move. Like we're we gotta start looking for houses and like do we wanna live in LA? We're it's so expensive here and yes. just thinking about that. And I was thinking like, okay, well, we can probably only afford to add like one be- more bedroom onto our house or like, you know, that's what we're thinking in terms of spaciousness. Yeah. And then for some reason, like, you know, it was six, six months into looking and I just like, wasn't getting a boner about looking at houses. I was just like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And for some reason I, I was like, Hey E, how come we're just looking at that? Like, why did we decide that this was how small, like, why did we decide to be small? Why was this our limit? Like, mm-hmm. did we just say that that's well, that's what we can afford. So that's what we can do. Why aren't we going about it the opposite way of like, well, what do we want? And like, how can we work towards that? And all of a sudden this like search has been so much more fun and so much easier. So I'm not perfect at this. I'm still learning so much about money and wealth and all the things, but it's that reframe, man. Yeah. Money is supposed to be limiting. It's supposed to be expansive and you get to be as expansive as you want with it. And when you start seeing it from that angle and that light, yeah. <laughs> makes it makes cool. the ride so much more smoother and more easier. Truly. Yeah. So much easier. It's true. Ugh. Morgan, it was so good talking to you. How can people find you and stalk you on the internet and hear more of your rants about Insight Timer? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Not done. I'm gonna find my way into Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's like my main home. And then of course I have weekly newsletters, tap in, tap in. So that's my second home where you can find out all the things that are happening in the finance world I do all the work for you pretty much that's what I like to Ugh, <laughs> a dream and you've got your intuitive lens so exactly. you're a very safe place for anyone who's trying to like sort of merge the spiritual and the material world yes, please come it's a safe mm. space for sure <laughs> <laughs> well thanks Morgan it was so good talking to you yes All right. And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to Morgan. And because she is such a unicorn star dream angel, Morgan is also giving away, gifting to all of you listeners, her three-step guide to attracting abundance by mastering your money mindset. It's a great download. So go grab that in our show notes. It is super helpful. And speaking of abundance... You might want to get that, grab that download and then use it so that you can win our giveaway. We have a giveaway going that is like amazing and it's open until February 4th. It's called the Ultimate Intuitive Entrepreneur Giveaway and we try to support 
you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you know, intellectually with everything that we make at holisticism. But I don't know, us on the team, we were just like, we want to just like make people feel really good and like special and give them something for free. So we're selecting one lucky winner to win over $1,500 worth of goodies and prizes that are meant to support you as you enter this new space or this new year of growing your intuitive business. As an entrepreneur, (laughs) as a multi- entrepreneur like a few times over, I know that there are some things that I just needed and that improved my workflow so much and my comfort so much when I had them. And like, listen, I know that being physically comfortable and drinking the right matcha, blah, 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 that stuff isn't like what really matters in the grand scheme of things. Like you can get it done without the fancy nut milk, but sometimes having the fancy nut milk makes it a little bit more enjoyable getting that work done. So that's what this giveaway is meant to be. We're giving away so many cool prizes to help support your workflow when you're actually in flow and also support your rest and your downtime so that you can take care of yourself on this journey and not burn out. Because listen, we need you. You can't burn out. (laughs) So, okay. What's my favorite thing in the giveaway? I mean, all of it. I want all of it. If I didn't already have a beautiful desk at home, I would have already bought it and I've considered it. I've added it to my cart like three times, but I just can't justify it in our smallish house. Like it it would be very selfish of me. But the work from home standing desk, it's a beautiful blonde wood ergonomic desk that is just like so gorgeous and it doesn't require screws to put together. It's just beautiful. It's so beautiful and I love it. So maybe when we upgrade our office, that's what I will end up getting. But in the meantime, I'll just live vicariously through whoever wins. I can't wait to see it set up with all the like, you know, candles and plants and all the beautiful things on top of it. I'm also just like, again, another thing I keep adding to cart and then taking out is the higher dose sauna blanket. Yo, have you ever done those sauna blankets? They are fucking fire, dude. I used to go to a studio in LA where you just go sit inside these blankets and like watch HBO for 15 minutes or 30 minutes and you just sweat and you feel so good afterwards. You feel like a new person. Like, you know, five years ago when I used to get hungover, now I don't really drink enough to get hungover, but that was like, oh, would have been a lifesaver then. And in the meantime, it just feels so good, especially if like you're not so hot on exercising all the time. That's kind of the place that I'm in right now. I'm like, my body just needs to rest. I need to sweat, but I would like to sweat horizontally. Dude, the sauna blanket is what's up. And they're not cheap. They're $500, but man, is it worth it? Just, oh, what a great feeling. So those are the things that I'm just totally coveting. And in terms of the things that are most valuable to me that I know improve my workflow, I'm a proponent of a frother. Like I love a good frother. I think it's one of the best kitchen appliances you can have. I know it sounds silly and superfluous, but a milk frother that is like makes amazing foam with coconut milk or like nut milk. And then you can mix that into your matcha and we're giving you some amazing adaptogenic matcha powders that are worth like 50 bucks a pop. That is luxury. That is like at-home luxury. That really can set the tone for the rest of your day and make you feel really good. And you know, like I said, it's it's not that you need these things in order to like be more productive and feel better about your work. It's just that sometimes 
you know, it's like Nike's motto. When you look good, you perform better. (laughs) That's not like their motto motto, but it's one of their design rules. It's kind of the same thing. When you feel good, when you like feel supported, when you feel put together and organized, like you perform in a different way. So I'm excited about the milk frother. I'm also excited about the PF candle incense because that's the incense that we use at our house. And it is my favorite. It smells so good. I'm like kind of a slut for that (laughs) incense. I'll just buy it in bulk. So I'm delighted to be able to gift it to someone. So now that I've just like talked about all the things that I want, you can go join and put your name in to, to win this juicy prize. Like, come on, why wouldn't you? And the more people that you send the giveaway to, you'll get prompted when you put in your email to send it to some friends. And when you do, you get more tickets. You get more tickets in the raffle. You get more entries. So the more people you share it with, the more entries you get. And I believe you get the entry once they've joined, or maybe you get two entries once they join. So it behooves you to share with people who you think are really going to love it. And that's it. So that closes on February 4th. And the link is in our show notes. So go join, go send to your friends. May the best, most abundant person win. (laughs) Luckiest person win. All right. That's all I've got today. Now that I just like wax poetic about a milk frother for five minutes, it was great talking to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sharing with your friends. It means so much to us as a woman led, founded, run company, small but mighty team that like loves making free content for you and loves, 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 loves to see it out in the wild. Like this really makes our day when you share (laughs) truly it's like on our team group, group text when you share what we're making and you love it. And, and even when you don't love it, when you give us your feedback, it means the world. So thank you for sharing and for listening and for being so amazing. We love you so much and we are honored to be in community with you and I'll see you at the next episode. Bye.